Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Um, so Psalm chapter number nine is where we're going to be today. I'm not going to take the time to read the whole psalm because obviously it is a lengthier one, but want to read down through a couple of the first verses and then give you a little bit of uh, context for the remaining verses. And so the Bible says this in Psalm chapter number nine, verse one, it says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart will I show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou sattest in the throne, judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. And thou hast destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment, and he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put, thy trust, put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Let's go back up and I want you to read kind of an interesting verse, but I want you to read verse number six out loud together with me. Verse number six, ready, begin. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. Thou hast destroyed cities, their memorial is perished with them. I want us to talk for just the next couple minutes about whose team are you on or who are you counting on, if you want to say it like that. Whose team are you on or who are you counting on? Who are you counting on in this life? I love the song that we sang today. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Who are you counting on? Whose team are you on? And I want us to take the next couple of minutes and we'll answer that question and kind of give you an opportunity to see what God's Word teaches us about that. Let's pray and bless the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Lord, thank you for your love for us as we've already sung about. Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn to lean on you. May we never lean on our own understanding, as your word says. But may we lean on who you are, on what you've done, on how far you've brought us, and may we never trust ourselves above you. pray that you give us a good rest of the time together. Lord, I pray that you help us as we look into your word. In your name we pray. Amen. 
How many of you, you've ever played on some sort of team of some type? Played on some sort of team of some type, okay? Whether it be a chess team or a basketball team or a water polo team or whatever, all right? How many of you have ever done a group project with someone? Maybe at, a, at school or something, you had a group project. Those are fun, aren't they? Those are, those are the most enjoyable part. I don't think you learn anything in a group project, all right? Like, I, I think that you're just constantly frustrated with the other people in the group or everyone is frustrated with you. Like, you're really one of two types of people. You're either the type of person who gets frustrated at other people in the group or you're the type of person people are frustrated with in the group, all right? Uh, you're both okay <laughs> and so um, it is interesting uh, to see that many times when we are on a team typically no matter how much someone talks about wow this is teamwork and teamwork makes the dream work and we'll only arrive at our goals as we all accomplish what we're supposed to no matter how much you preach or teach that there's normally someone who's kind of pulling the weight of the team isn't there there's normally someone who is organizing the group project or there's someone who actually cares about their grades, who wants to get it right. There's someone who cares about winning, that wants to do it the right way. There's someone who's willing to maybe put in extra work to accomplish what they want. And in those moments as maybe a teammate or if you're working on a group project and a, you're a part of that, you tend to rely on someone like that. To the point to where if they are removed from the group or if they're maybe out on the team or whatever, everyone else kind of has to step up, don't they? Everyone else has to figure things out and make and try to fill that void. And in our Christian lives and in lives kind of in our lives in general, we have a tendency to lean more on ourselves than we do God. You see, if, you've adhered, if you're here today and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a personal relationship with God that you can be developing as a Christian. You and God are a team. You are now one of God's children. You are, you are one of His saints. You are, you are someone that He has saved and that He has purchased and that He has bought for a purpose. But listen to this. So many times we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. We get really our eternity nailed down. And we tend to think that we can trust God for our eternity, but not really trust Him for what we're facing in a day-to-day -day scenario. Oh yeah, I can trust God to save me from the pits of hell, but I don't know that I can trust Him with this financial situation. I don't know that I can trust Him with really maybe what's going on in my family. I don't know that I can trust Him for my education. I don't know that I can trust Him for my job. I don't know that I can trust Him for you fill in the blank, okay? And what is almost humorous about that is we'll trust God for the biggest decision of our life, our eternity, heaven or hell, okay? That's not really one you want to get wrong, right? We'll trust Him for that, but we tend to count on ourselves for the day-to-day. -day. We tend to count on what we know and that, on what maybe we've learned and who we've talked to and what we've seen in other people's lives. And here's what I would kind of like for you to see today out of Psalm chapter number 9. I would like, to see, like for you to see just a couple of principles. Obviously, Psalm chapter number 9 is 20 verses. It's very difficult to outline a psalm. But I want us to pull out three principles that we can learn and that we can apply to our lives as we learn how to, as the song said, lean on Jesus or begin to count on God for our lives. The first one that I want you to see is this, is that praise is a choice. Praise is a choice. Once you look at the first two verses, he says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. 
I want you to notice that David's problems did not change, but his praise did change. David's problems did not change, but his praise did change, meaning this, that in the midst of his problems, he chose to find a way to praise God. He chose to find a way to say, God, this is who you are. This is what I'm going to thank, thank you for. When was the last time you intentionally praised God in the midst of a problem? When was the last time you intentionally praised God in the midst of a problem? As a society, we are really good at being praiseful or full of praise during Thanksgiving, aren't we? Like, well, how, how many of you have something you can praise God for? And everybody at the Thanksgiving praise service raises their hand like, oh, yes, I have something that I can praise God for. But do you have something that you can praise God for on a rainy day in the middle of April when maybe you're down to your last $10 in your bank account and you, you need to go and buy a cheeseburger or whatever? Can you praise God when you're in the midst of maybe a difficult breakup? Can you praise God when maybe your job is a little bit uncertain? Can you praise God if maybe there's certain things going on in your life that nobody else knows about? Your problems may not change, but your praise should. You should be finding a way to praise God in the midst of difficulty because praise is not something that is natural. Praise is something that is intentional, meaning that it must be a choice. I want you to see what does David praise God for in this passage. First of all, he praises him with his whole heart, but he says this, I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Can I teach you an important principle about praise? is that if you have nothing to praise God for presently, you have something to praise God for in your past. If you have nothing to praise God for presently, you have something you can praise God for in your past. Sometimes we're so guilty of saying, well, I have nothing to praise God for because I don't have this amount of money in the bank. I don't have a cute boyfriend. I don't have a, now if you have a boyfriend, like hopefully you think they're cute, all right? But, but I, don't have, I don't have this relationship status. I don't have this going on. I haven't finished this. I, I don't have a job or the job that I have, I hate. Like I don't have anything to praise God. If you have nothing you can praise God for presently, which I would argue is probably not true, but sometimes we convince ourselves that it is. If you have nothing you can praise God for in the present, I can promise you this, you have something you can praise God for in the past. David was not counting and choosing to praise God because of his present situation, okay? There weren't very many times in David's life when he was living on the run and people were trying to chop his head off and people wanted to kill him and people didn't want him to be king and people didn't want him to do this and he had, a, he had to kill a giant. There weren't too many times in David's life where it was like, you know what, because of all the things going on, I just want to praise the Lord. No, David leaned on the past marvelous works of God to endure him through the present darkness that he was facing. And sometimes as a Christian and just in life as a human being, we look at everything that is going wrong in our lives. And we throw our hands up and we say, I have nothing to praise God for. But praising God is a choice. Meaning this, that praise is something that you may not have a lengthy list of things that you can look at and you can say, right now I'm praising God for this. 
But you definitely have things in your past that you can say, God, if you brought me through this, I know you're going to bring me through whatever I'm facing right now. So he praises him for his marvelous works in the past. But then he says this, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. He praises God for his marvelous works that occurred in the past. But then he he praises God secondly in this. He praises God for who he is. For who he is. I want you to listen for just the next couple of seconds to this. We have so convinced ourselves as modern Christian Americans that we can only praise God when our circumstances look exactly like what we want them to. That we can only praise God if we have a nice car or if we have this or we have maybe money in the bank or if we have iPhone 27 or whatever, okay? We can only praise God if everything lines up with what's going on and what the world says that we need. But what happens when you say, I have nothing that I can praise God for right now? I maybe can't even recall a marvelous work. What do you praise God for in those moments? You praise Him for who He is. You praise Him for who He is. I know that maybe not everyone in the room grew up in a great home life. Okay, I understand that. By the way, your parents are not perfect. I am a parent now, so I try to lean very heavily on the fact that and tell my kids I'm not perfect. Okay? But I want you to think for just a second, maybe when you were a child, maybe when you were younger, maybe before anything, maybe you knew any better of what was going on in your family. Well, I want you to think about your mom or your dad or whatever. Okay? Many times, in their mind, they might not have known how to navigate something that was going on in their life. But if they told you it was okay and that they were going to help you through it or or that that they just needed you to trust them or whatever, the last couple of days, I don't know where she's picked up on this, but Baylor has been saying, Daddy, I trust you. Like It's mainly when she's trying to convince me to do something. So yesterday she was trying to talk me into building a playground that day, and I'm like, um, we're not, it was like 5 o'clock at night. I'm like, we're not starting on a playground at 5 o'clock at night and when lumber prices are five times what they've been all of, in the, any other point in history, all right? She's like, Daddy, I trust you. And I'm like, okay, like that's just a sales pitch, Baylor, but it really does make me want to pull through for you, all right? But she's like, Daddy, I trust you. But watch this. She's not saying, Daddy, I trust you because necessarily that she even wants what she wants. Now, she's probably saying it because she wants to get something out of the deal, okay? But she's saying it because of who I am. There will come a day when she's 18, 19 years old, and I say something, and she kind of goes, eh, I don't know about that. But right now, as a child, she says, Daddy, I trust you because she knows who I am. I want you to listen to this. Your heavenly Father has never let you down. You may think he has, but as a perfect father, he's never let you down. You may be able to look back at scenarios where you say, no, he he definitely dropped the ball on this one. No. As a human father, as an earthly father, I have dropped the ball on my kids. I will be the first to admit that. But your heavenly father has never done that. Meaning this, that in moments of difficulty, You may not be able to praise God for your present circumstances. You may not even want to take the mental energy to praise God for maybe a past marvelous work. 
but you can praise God for who he is because you can trust him. God, I don't know what you're doing. God, I don't know why to, I don't have anything to praise you about right now, but I'm going to praise you because I know that you're a good God. I'm going to praise you because I know that you're a loving father. So first of all, praise is a choice. But then secondly, not only is praise a choice, but enemies don't last forever. Enemies don't last forever. He says in verse 3, he says, When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou sattest in the throne of judgment, throne judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen, thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. And then I want you to look back at verse number 6. This popped out to me as I read through this. He says, O thou enemy. So now he's addressing the enemy. He says, destructions are come to a perpetual end. And thou hast destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them. I want you to think about who David was referring to in this moment. David was a warrior, so chances are he was referring to maybe some of the armies that he fought. David was someone who lived on the run, so chances are he was maybe referring to some of the people that he was running from. David was a shepherd who had to protect his flock from enemies from the outside, okay? The Bible talks about how he killed a lion. Maybe he was referring to the Philistines, but watch this. He says, you've destroyed cities and their memorial. That word is important. He says, the remembrance of them is gone, is perished. And isn't it interesting that he tells the enemy that exactly what they have done to others is what God is going to do to them. He says in verse number 5, he says, Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. And then he says this, Enemy, you've destroyed cities and no one remembers them. And the same is going to be true with you one day. I want you to listen to this for just a second. The things that right now you are struggling with, you will not face forever. The things that right now you are struggling with, you will not face forever. There will come a day where the problems that you are experiencing right now will be a distant memory, unfortunately, to maybe the problems that you face in the future. But with God, and I want you to hear this, please do not miss this, with God, Enemies don't last forever. Enemies of your life, enemies of your spiritual walk, enemies that you are facing maybe at your job, enemies, whatever it may be, enemies don't last forever. Because with God, he is an enemy killer. He is one who sees what is attacking you. He sees what thing, and that's, this isn't like some, don't walk out of here and say like, oh, Joel says that. No, here's what I'm saying, okay? There will come a day where when Jesus Christ calls us home, the enemies of this world will not even be remembered. Won't it be great one day to walk on heaven's shore and to walk on heaven's streets of gold and to experience complete and utter freedom from the things and the problems that we face down here? Because enemies don't last forever. Your time on this earth is short. Rejoice in Jesus Christ. Praise him intentionally because enemies do not last forever. And then the last thing that I want you to see is this, is that God has 
a plan. Now, I know that we always talk about, oh, God has a plan. God has a plan. Okay, God has a plan. All right. I want you to think for just a moment back to our opening illustration about being on a team. Okay. How many of you, I want you just to think about this. Don't raise your hand. All right. This isn't confession time. All right. How many of you were the person on a team that you were just kind of like, you were just there for the party, all right? Just there to have fun, all right? Just there to hang out, just there to be with friends, just there because it was like, hey, I get to kick a ball around, or if it's a group project, then you were just there out of, like, liability, all right? <laughs> like, I'm just here so I don't get in trouble, all right? But maybe you were the person on the team that you didn't really care, but then all of a sudden when you got into a game or you got into maybe playing as a team and maybe you had a chance to win a game or maybe a game was close and, and all of a sudden you begin to rely on who had a plan, didn't you? You begin to rely on a coach. When the coach just is in practice and blowing his whistle and saying, run harder, run faster, oh, suck it up, you're, like, you're, you're tough, be tough, be like it's like I hate him, all right? But all of a sudden, when you get in a game time pressure cooker situation, it becomes important that someone has a plan, right? I coached the first couple years that I was here. I loved it. It was very frustrating, but I loved it, all right? But it would have been awful if I would have said, like, in an intense situation, if maybe we had, we had a lot of games that I felt like. I remember one year I went back and I counted how many games we had won or lost by six or fewer points. And it was like over three-fourths of our games. Like we were in every game. It would have been frustrating as a player and even frustrating as a coach if we're down by two and all of a sudden we knock down a free throw and we're down by one and I call a timeout and I call a timeout and everybody comes over and they all sit down on the bench. There's actually five chairs here. Okay, that's perfect. All right. So all five of the starters come down and I lean down and I say, all right, who knows what we need to do right here? And you're sitting there sweating and you've been doing all the work out on the floor and you're breathing hard. <laughs> and it's like, you called the timeout. You tell us what to do, right? If that happens in a game scenario, you immediately lose trust in your coach, right? Like, who has a plan for us to win this game? Okay? I don't care who we were going up against. We played in some games to where it was like, you're going to lose. Like, but I didn't get to walk in the locker room and be like, hey, guys, our plan is just to lose. Like, don't make it ugly. Just lose as pretty as you can, right? No, as a coach, my job was to walk in, and it didn't matter if we were playing an NBA team. My job was to have a plan. Like, we're going to grab the ball, and we're going to hold it in a corner. Like, that would be our plan sometimes. Like, if we can't beat them, we can outsmart them. Like, make them tackle us, all right? Whatever, all right? It was my job to have a plan. And I want you to listen to this. Sometimes in life, we get frustrated when God isn't using our plan. When what we should be stepping back and seeing is that we should take comfort in the fact that he has a plan. God calls you to the bench of life and, and you're... <gasps> I'm so exhausted. I've got this going on in my relationships. I've got this going on in my job security. I've got this going on. The world is weird, okay? The world is messed up. Like, I've got all of this pressure from what's going on outside in the world. And you come over to life, and, and if God looked at you and said, all right, it's up to you, you'd be like, what about all those verses that say trust in God? But what we should be doing as a child of God 
when we come over and we look at our Heavenly Father is saying, God, I'm going to trust that you have a plan. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know what to do. Or if I do, my plan is obviously not working. I don't know how to fix $27 a gallon gas for you, okay? I'm sorry. But I know a God who promises to take care of his children. I don't know how to fix some of the things that is going on in our world. But I know that there is a God who has a plan. And so if I can trust him for national and worldwide things, I can trust him when stuff doesn't make sense in my personal life. I can trust him for maybe when things doesn't, don't seem to be working financially or emotionally or relationally. I can trust him. And so here's what I want you to answer today. Who are you counting on in this thing that we call life? Are you counting on yourself? Well, God, I'm just going to praise myself right now because I know that I'm going to make it through. God, I'm just going to go ahead and take care of my enemies for you because I know that I'm going to do a better job handling them than you are. God, I'm just going to go ahead and trust my plan rather than trust your plan. Because in our Christian lives and in life, we have one of two choices. We can either count on God, who is perfect, who is wise, who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, and so much more to get us through. And we can praise Him as we go through it. Or we can count on ourselves. So who are you counting on to help you get through this life? Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.